The 2018 CQ Worldwide CW Contest is coming to a radio near you in the November 24th and 25th weekend. Over the past month, I've made some major changes to the VA7ST setup, including some updated equipment and a fairly substantial reconfiguration of the shack layout. Contest prep is done, and I'm ready to roll. How about you? Let's get going with episode 23 of Zone Zero, the CQ Worldwide CW Preview Edition. Hi everyone, welcome to the big CQ Worldwide CW Contest Preview Edition. We don't do this very often, but I'm going to open with a bit of homework for everyone. Be sure to listen to the pre-contest report from last year, Zone Zero, Episode 15, which is packed with interesting information about the contest that still holds true for the 2018 running of this great big event. The pre-reading or pre-listening is the 2017 pre-contest Zone Zero episode 15, and that's available through the show notes at zone.va7st.ca for this episode or episode 15. And for extra credit, I invite you to also listen to the 2017 post-contest report. Okay, that's the homework assignment. Now let me tell you quickly about some of the homework I've been up to. Big changes are now in place at VA7ST. A new transceiver and amplifier have brought the shack up to snuff for 2018 standards. We've had the first major renewal of gear since I added the FT2000 and a stepper three-element Yagi back in 2009. I decided the investment was entirely worth it, and it was long overdue, providing improved receive capabilities for those incredibly congested bands here in the bottom of the solar cycle, and more power for all bands, including 6-meter work. I'd like to think that this was all in anticipation of the biggest contest on the annual calendar, the CQ Worldwide CW Contest, but the reality is, I've been contemplating the changes for quite a while. The new equipment includes an ACOM 1000 amplifier, which has been in place for a couple of weeks now, and was used in the Worked All Europe RITI contest to great effect. The other item is a new ICOM IC7610 transceiver. Now this is an amazing bit of kit. Software-defined radio in a real radio box with real knobs. I'm still learning how to use all its capabilities, but I did manage to get it on the air in 2VFO mode in the Worked All Europe Ritty contest earlier this month, and I spent hours while CQing on one receiver and searching and pouncing up and down the band on the other receiver. The IC7610 also did a great job in the past weekend's sweepstakes phone contest, providing almost clear channel audio on my run frequencies even when 20 meters was packed to the rafters with stations wall-to-wall. It's really quite something to experience. Having two spectrum displays, one for each receiver in N1MM logger, makes it dead simple to see the signals and call sign labels so you can click and jump on any signal you haven't worked before. All the new gear meant a rethink of how I have the radio room laid out. Specifically, I had to rearrange the desk surfaces to put two transceivers in their optimal locations so I can easily tune the bands, reach the knobs, adjust the amplifier and the antenna tuner, and still have the correct ergonomics for three computer monitors and a keyboard at hand. So, now I have the Yaesu FT2000 as my left-hand radio, and the ICOM as the right-hand radio. They're Radio B and Radio A from left to right. And then, a little further to the right side, and continuing around a corner of the desk, I have my keyer paddles, the ACOM amplifier, 
an AEA AT3000 antenna tuner that serves as my main antenna switch. After 30 years, this setup is about as close to perfect as I've ever come. Everything's within easy reach, nothing's in a spot I'd rather not have it, and in my couple of days of user testing prior to the upcoming contests, I think it's all working out even better than I'd hoped. Now, on to antennas. Attached to the AEA tuner's output sockets are the Stepper Yagi, which covers 40 through 6 meters, a dedicated 7-element 6-meter Yagi, and the 80-meter array, which is made up of three full-size verticals that I can steer in three primary headings, plus three other alternate opposite headings with a bit less gain. For 160 meters, I manually change over to a second high-power manual tuner to run the inverted L on top band. In addition to those antennas, I also have a 40-meter full-size two-element quad suspended between two tall pine trees, and that's pointed directly at Europe at 30 degrees. For an HF contest, the 40-meter quad is connected instead of the 6-meter Yagi in through that antenna tuner switching system that I mentioned earlier. And if I want, I can connect a little high-gain 18AVT-WB all-band vertical, and that's strapped to about 300 feet of chain-link fence around the backyard. For the low bands, I have a short 270-foot beverage receiving antenna as well, though I haven't used it in about two years, and I'm sure it needs a little love and attention after being neglected for so long. Not using it might be the reason my pursuit of 80-meter DXCC is stalled at 96 countries. I've come to realize the value of having lots of antenna options, even if they're not mounted up on massive skyscraper towers. Some of the antennas require manual swapping of cables here in the shack, but those antennas are special purpose and not used all that often, like the 160-meter inverted L or the 40-meter quad. The primary go-to antennas for each band from 80 meters through 6 meters are all on a single switch, so I can hop around pretty quickly with just a quick gesture on the switch and a little retuning of the amplifier. Now, a blast from the past. I sure love to go over my previous contest scores and reread the post-contest reports on the 3830 reflector. Doing this earlier in the week, I stumbled upon a report that I posted from the 2009 CQ Worldwide CW contest nine years ago. Back then, the bands were not particularly hot, but they were still pretty good. Here's what I wrote back then. As I usually do, I concocted many melodramas as the weekend progressed, little near-term challenges to keep me motivated. With half an hour to go, I set my sights on hitting 950,000 points but I would need spectacular 20-meter malt hunting to get there. 30 minutes left. I land 9V1 Singapore for zone and country multipliers. Then I flip the beam to V31 Belize for another multiplier. And then I flip to 9M2 for West Malaysia and a welcome double dipper. Put the antenna into bidirectional mode and work several 2 and 3 pointers. Those are W's and JA's as I tune the band for elusive multipliers. Then I find an LU1 for a single multiplier, and I stumble across an E21 in Thailand, and I put the Yagi in full forward mode, aimed at Alaska for that double multiplier. Favorite thing in the world? CQ Worldwide, green letters in the N1MM call box. Just a handful more points to hit 950,000. But time's slipping away. I run across a string of exceptionally loud JA and BY three-pointers. A minute and 40 seconds to go. I need about six more QSO points. Now that's a long shot in search and pounce mode because everybody at this end is doing the same thing and competition is fierce for the CQ jump balls. I find a loud WA60. I work them, though I'm aimed at UA0. 
I wonder how he heard me. I see that he was at N6RO, so no wonder he heard me. I need four more points. 60 seconds left. I tune lower and I hear K6 Tango Alpha. He's off the back of the beam. There, I've got him, and I'm only at 949,500 points. I still need another two-pointer. You multiply that two points by 250 multipliers, and I've only got 30 seconds left. I tune the low end of the band like a cruising barracuda now. I'm holding my breath, I'm clenching my teeth, and then there's a JA1 ending a CQ. Clear channel on him. Boom. N1MM logger score turns over to 950,250 points, and I pull off the headphones. I still have a whole 15 seconds left. I'm happy. Real happy. In fact, I've got a SpongeBob-like grin in place because I've advanced my personal best score by 170,000 points. Bud's law is that even after a 172,800 second contest, that's 48 hours, the final 60 seconds will always be a completely heart-thumping, adrenaline-pumping panic. And that, my friends, is all I need to remember to get myself charged up for another run at CQ Worldwide this weekend. That was back in 2009, and I believe 2018 conditions will be very close to what they were nine years ago. On to band planning. Remember that in this granddaddy of all contests, you multiply your QSO points by the number of CQ zones and DXCC countries on each band. If you miss a band that others found multipliers on, you're really going to regret it. And by a band, I'm referring to 15 meters this time out. During daylight hours, I'll have the FT-2000 sitting on 15 meters listening and feeding a spectrum display in N1MM logger, while the main radio is on 20 meters with the three-element stepper Yagi and the ACOM amplifier. Keeping one radio on 15 meters and at least watching the spectrum display will be a key to being on the air if anyone shows up and is workable from here on 15 meters. From time to time, if 15 shows any life at all, I'll flip those around and run the amplifier and the three-element Yagi on 15 meters. That'll be the approach if there's any sign of Europe, or more likely South America, on 15 meters this weekend. Generally, I'll be using the IC7610 and the FT2000 together in single-operator 2-radio or SO2R mode. My plan is to get started with just one radio going on 20 meters for the first hour or so. That's 4 p.m. here on the West Coast. Uh, so I expect Japan may be booming in on 20 meters at first, but I'll quickly want to dive down to 40 meters, where most of the evening action is going to be found. Now, I'm not good enough with two radios to operate CW efficiently and effectively if rate is too high on one of the radios. Rather, my preference is to run a single radio until the bands die down just a little bit in the evenings, and then I'll CQ on two bands alternating between them. I can interleave QSOs on CW quite effectively to stay comfortably busy on a pair of slower bands. Another SO2R strategy, and many of them use this one, is to call CQ on one band and search for stations on the second band. I just don't have the mental acuity to copy two simultaneous CW signals in my head, so I prefer the interleaved alternating CQ approach. And then, as darkness falls each night, one radio will run 40 meters on a rotary dipole, while the other runs 80 meters on the three-element vertical array. I have plenty of antenna separation between the 80-meter array and the 40-meter dipole, so neither transceiver will hear the other. And I better not forget about 160 meters. I have an inverted L for that band, and when the time is right, I'll flick the switch to 160 and see what I can work. Last year, 160 produced 40 contacts in four zones and three countries. Those were Hawaii, the United States, and Canada. 
What? You're saying no XE, no KL7 on 160? Not from BC? Well, I think they'll be there this time, and I hope to work them this time. This year, I hope to do a little better with about 400 watts more output power with the ACOM amplifier and a much, much better low-band receiver. It sure would be great to add a few Caribbean entries this weekend on 160 meters. At least PJ2T in Curacao, whom I've often heard, but I rarely get through to on top band. A few other frequent flyers from the Caribbean that I'll be seeking out on 160 are P40 in Aruba, 9Y6 in Trinidad and Tobago, CO in Cuba, C6 in the Bahamas, and a handful of other contest station regulars. They should be relatively easy multipliers if the inverted L is working at all. So now I'll go on the record with my official predictions for this coming weekend, based on how I hope to operate and how the bands might turn out to be. Here we go. I intend to make 2,000 QSOs with 150 countries and 80 zones for a total of 1 million points. That's a bit of a lift from my final claim score from last year, and it assumes that I'll end up with close to 1,000 QSOs on 20 meters alone, with 300 on 15 meters, 300 or 350 QSOs on each of 40 meters and 80 meters. I actually think 40 meters might produce significantly more contacts than that, given the number of hours that I'll end up spending there. So, here's hoping. To get there, I'm going to need a couple of things to fall into place. And the first is, 15 meters must open to Europe, at least for a few minutes on one of the mornings. Without 15 meters opening over the pole, the reduced European country count will be very tough to overcome. In 2017, last year, I made nearly 300 QSOs on 15 meters, landing 27 countries and 13 zones, but none of those were Europe. Alas, I don't expect anything other than perhaps an EA-8 in the Canary Islands from east or north this year on 15 meters. The second thing that needs to fall into place is me. I need to watch my butt and chair time. Last year, I put in 37 hours, which was one hour longer than I'd done in my previous high back in 2012. This weekend, I like to approach 40 hours on the air. The only way to fill up all that time is to operate on 40 meters and 80 meters and 160 meters well into the tiny hours both mornings. I can still get nearly four hours of sleep each night and still come away with 40 hours on the air. Sleep strategy is such a big deal in these 48-hour marathon contests. I recall years ago when I stayed up so many hours in a row that I had very real hallucinations on the second night. One year, and I think it was 2004 in CQ Worldwide CW, my hallucinations took the form of me racing along railway tracks, and CW signals in my ear were oncoming trains. Go figure. To avoid head-on collisions, I had to work the call signs so they'd veer off and out of my audio passband. It was really quite something to know that I was hallucinating, but not being able to stop it, and then just working with it to keep making contacts. So, rule number one for me is take a nap if you feel the need and set double alarms. On your phone, this is pretty easy insurance. CW contesting is a brain drain for sure. You'll never focus as much on anything as you do when trying to pull out a single call sign from 10 callers calling you. It's really exhausting and especially mentally fatiguing. When you feel woozy, with hallucinations or simple dullness setting in, and it will, stop. Rest. Even 45 minutes of a snooze can bring things back to perspective. Rule number two for me is drink lots of water. Now that may mean more frequent rest breaks, but staying hydrated is important. And that water also helps you keep hydrated if you're drinking a lot of coffee as well, which can tend to dry you out. 
let the coffee and the water trips force you to take some micro breaks. And as long as you're not giving up a great run frequency, taking a break, standing up once in a while is a very good thing. My third rule for myself is watch what you eat. I tend to eat very little during a major contest. I snack on nuts or an orange or a sandwich when I get a chance, but I avoid heavy meals, not only because they take time to prepare and consume, but they'll drag you down energy-wise. Having said all that, it's also important to eliminate self-doubt. I have to constantly remind myself that even when things slow and they seem like it's not worth the time in the chair, it's not me. It's not my station, and it's not personal. And if I keep at it just a little longer, conditions and activity can change very quickly. Someone might spot you on the band, and suddenly a dozen new stations will work you, or a new multiplier will find you. Or the band might shift, and suddenly you have all of Asia open to you. Hands up if you've ever thought about pulling the plug, but you stayed at it a few more minutes, only to be called by a ZD-8 on Ascension Island in Zone 36, or a Tango Zulu in Mali in Zone 35. It happens, and it happens often enough that it's a real thing. So don't quit. Don't quit just because the rate falls off. The surprises are so worth it. Radio contesting is a game of dogged determination, blind luck, and preparation. Take any of those out of the mix, and you miss out on a lot. With all three in play, you'll have a lot of fun. I sure do, every time out. Okay, so that's it for what was supposed to be a quick episode 23 of Zone Zero. We'll all be packed into 20 meters during daylight, and we'll probably see a lot of compression on 40 meters after dark as well. Go into it with good cheer, play nicely and with passion, and have a complete blast in CQ Worldwide CW. Listen for the QRP guys too, they'll be buried down under the clicks and sparks of the big guns. We'll see you at the starting gun at 0 hours Zulu on November 24th. Now, let's go get them. I'll see you out there. <laughs>